welcome one and all to the amuse-bouche segment of uh, our old Nightcaps at the Theater podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, we know we're, you know, honestly, we're in the tail end of spooky season, but um, <laughs> this podcast operates on a lag, just like my recording. So spooky mm. season, don't worry, we will embrace it in full force as you have uh, come to expect from us. But, uh, you know, just just hang tight, stay tuned. It's going to be coming very soon. So is Christmas. <laughs> yeah, if we're lucky. So is a vaccine. Anyway, let me tell you who's speaking. I am Matt. Can someone explain to me why National Hispanic Heritage Month lasts from September 15th <laughs> through October 15th? We don't get a month. We get two halves of a month and a lot of questions. It's like daylight saving time and that no one knows whether we're currently in it because it's so random. Are two halves even better than a full month? Someone tell me how to feel about this. Cabrera. Hmm, you practiced that one. <laughs> uh, no, I have that written out. Oh, okay. Uh, I am, of course, before I introduce myself, I have to congratulate Matt on his anniversary. Oh, shucks. So sweet. You know, if I was married to you, there's only one thing that I would say to you, Matt. Give me the damn roses, Matt! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. If anyone's confused, I'm sure the majority of you are because you don't watch the kind of quality programming that we do. But we'll we'll explain pretty soon. That'll be one of the talking points of tonight. The main talking points. Um, all right. So uh, shall we begin? Do you remember our segments? Who are you? As in, like, I haven't spoken to you in 10 weeks. It's true. I do have been wrestling with the uh, false COVID positives, false negatives, false positives, <sighs> everything. And you know, that test they give you, I kind of like it. I kind of uh, like You like the way they jam it up your nose? Yeah. Oh. Everyone's got a kink. <laughs> uh, but um I I honestly I don't listen to this podcast enough so I forget what the first segment is. It is our course, our seminal not oh, to be yes. trashed. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason I forget this one. Our anime segment, Shut Up Weeb. <laughs> you know, I might have something for this. Oh god. I and I guess I'm gonna save it from movie phone. But I'll get, All right. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll save it for then. I got one thing. Uh, Dan Ryan, fellow co-host of uh, my other podcast, Anime Was Not a Mistake, introduced me to another anime of the spooky variety called Blue Ooh. Exorcist. Um, it's it's just typical anime fare. I liked it. We watched the first three episodes. It's uh, like, you know, the typical anime stuff. Someone's the son of Satan and <laughs> he right. has to like Without channel that power. Yeah. <laughs> why, why are they blue? Why are they sad? It's because the flames of hell are so hot, they burn blue. Ah, <laughs> uh, that yeah. makes sense. And I thought it was going somewhere more interesting than it actually is. It turns into a school anime, and there's just too many of those already. <laughs> Everything turns into a school anime eventually. Yeah, but I, I was intrigued when watching it. Maybe pick it up if that's your thing. I've seen scarier anime, um, mm. but it was cute. <laughs> yeah, that counts for something these days. Yeah. And with our first segment done... <laughs> Boom, knocking them out. We can move on to the segment that will undoubtedly take an hour and a half. Oh, boy. So, bang, bang, goes the gavel for TV Court. Yes. Introducing, um, well, let me let me get through a couple things first. Mm-hmm. Let's see. This is actually one thing that I meant to mention on the last episode, but I did not get a chance to. It is Holy Moly 2, uh. the sequel, the special, <laughs> Unhinged, Part 1, and... Holy Moly 2, the sequel, the special, Unhinged, Part 2. 
I will not be writing out those subtitles in the notes. I will just be putting <laughs> holy moly too, and that's all. Uh, I love it. It's um <laughs> I just love this show's brand of humor. You know, it it's just so goofy and they shouldn't allow this on broadcast television because uh it's almost too fun. It makes me want to go out and and um enjoy life, which is dangerous at the moment. Yes. But um it's been a while since I watched this now, but this it's kind of a behind the scenes, you know, featurette or documentary on the making of Holy Moly to the Sea. Why? See, Why? The show has proven so popular that <laughs> ABC wants to fill up its time slots with more Holy Moly related entertainment. No, content. you're taking our podcast money and you're putting it into the ABC lineup, Matt. I know it's you. <laughs> yeah, I'm pocketing. I'm, uh, I'm filling up on stock for ABC yeah, Summer Fun and Games. But it's worth it. It's so good. Um, yeah, I don't know. They just make fun of holy moly stuff. Um, they, what is it? They they went through like the, the top 18 holes, I think. Or no, I think if they only could, <laughs> I think they were only able to afford 17 holes. Who could decide the top 18? <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty good. I, they just had some fun segments. It's really a good time. I recommend that show for sure. Um, let's see. Next up, we got, oh, the weakest link. Oh, I which, did see the first episode of this. You're, you're gonna hate me. Uh-huh. Oh, how did you feel about it? Oh, I thought these people was dumb. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> well, yeah, very much. These these people are never making like a full chain. I, I don't think I'm ever gonna see it in my lifetime. But well, no, that never happens. But at least you can bank show. more. I think it has everything. Well, yeah, but um. Now, now, I feel like in the original show 20 years ago, when I used to catch it from time to time, they used to get higher values than they are this time. Now, that everyone mm. kind of sucks. But mm. it is so enjoyable to watch. It, to me, I know you're going to hate me for this, but I think it's a perfect game show. Ugh. It's got everything. It's got trivia, which I am a huge fan of. <laughs> um, uh, it's got Jane Lynch, who is pretty pretty good in her role. Pretty great, I, I agree. would say. Because she is super sassy, but she's she's almost likable too she's like an endearing mm-hmm. kind of sass that i don't think you got from the original host ann robinson who was a little more snooty um uh the writing is fantastic jane lynch always seems to have a comeback ready to go it's just so much fun um and it's got the social psychology aspect to it too when um the players try to deduce whom would be the perfect candidate to be voted off each round. You know, do you go for strategy? Do you want to try to vote off the stronger links so that you know, now Matt, you now have Matt, an easier I, time later on? I, I had a I had a question. They are they're allowed to vote off the strongest contestants? Oh yeah. Okay. Very much. <laughs> um that's that's almost encouraged sometimes. All right. Because the first episode I watched, they did not do that. And I said, this is not a way you idiots are going to win the game. <laughs> well, yeah. It's, it's tough because, you know, one person might have that strategy, but that strategy depends on everyone else in the group having the same kind of mentality. Mm. And, um, well, obviously, many of these people are dumb as rocks. Yes. Not that I would fare much better. I, I think, I don't know. <laughs> I, all the knowledge that I put on display during this podcast is, um, it amounts to... You, you could you could stuff it in a corner of a of a, ma- of a Brooklyn style apartment. I was going to say Manhattan. That's not much. Uh, that's not much space at all. Now. 
<laughs> that's what I was trying to get at. See, that's how that's how bad I am. I can't even like come up with. I a would good say analogy. like it would stuff the corner of a roach motel, but that's just me. <laughs> okay, I like that. <laughs> but weakest link, it's got everything. Um, I'm in love with it. It's such a joy to watch. Um, it's very mean spirited, but in a, in a very fun way. You know what I miss? Uh, let's see. What What do you miss? I miss when they used to drop them down the chute. <laughs> <laughs> that never. Now, you're thinking of Ellen's game of games. No, also, I swear. I swear no, to Jesus. Happened. I've seen a week. It's like where they're no. dropped down the chute. Unless that's like a scary a movie thing. thing. I. Mm. That could be. Why that does that exist well in my mind, Ben? That could very well be. That sounds. They like used to have a shoot. Kind of they used they to never have a shoot. No, this is another um, a hallmark <laughs> element of Weakest Link that I love. What they always had was um, whenever somebody gets voted off, they have the walk of shame. Yes. Where like the other contestants get to derile them, or is that a word? Deride them. Yeah. Make fun of them. Mm-hmm. While they're walking away, they're like facing the camera and they're like you know kind of stumbling and they're they're crying, and then they have the little talking heads moment. Where they get to uh, lambast the contestants that voted them off. I, it's so great. I love watching this show. It really is. Um, it's such a treat watching people try to tear each other down. Mm. But I, you, you are correct in that shoots would help. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, that that is something that Ellen's game of games has. Which, despite Ellen, you know, being a terrible person, apparently. Her game show really works, I gotta say, oh, because her game don't show give is all Ellen about credit. her being, I got, she gets to be her true self, she's very mean on this show, and she just messes with the contestants and, like, tortures them psychologically and physically sometimes. Just uh, like her staff. Exactly. So <laughs> it, it works on that show. Daytime TV, maybe not for her, but punishing, <laughs> grueling uh, game show tasks right up her alley. Mm. Let's see what else do we got. We got um, well, there's kind of a oh, let me put my phone on silent. There's um, let's see. I you know what? I'll mention King of the Hill. Um, yep. I'm up to season nine now, and it's still good. It's a little bit spottier, <laughs> and the show's definitely jumped the shark. There is no question about that. There's literally an episode. I think it's in season seven, like tail end of season seven, but it might be season mm-hmm. eight. Where Luann and Peggy literally kill someone. Yep, 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 they, yep. They literally murder this man. <laughs> um, you know there there might be some questions about whether who was really at fault, but you know credits of the show this this episode I think it was probably around for Halloween time, so it would be a good watch now a days. Mm-hmm. But um, it's about uh, Luann gets like kind of weirdly romantically. Slash, um, uh, what's the word? It she gets Enthralled. romantically involved with somebody yeah. who who employs her, um, oh. and then the guy, her, basically her boss, has a mental issue where he is trying to replicate his older life that had something to do with like a slaughterhouse, and there were lots of pigs around, an abattoir, and. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, he himself kind of takes on the mentality of a pig. Oh, yes, I remember he, this episode. And he wants he wants Luann to kind of be like like <laughs> his pig mom, like his pig trainer or something. But Luann's not really having any of it. Anyway, they're in a slaughterhouse, and as he's like, I don't know, being oh fuck, 
I I need to stop fidgeting with my hands. I um <laughs> I'm drinking a Dr Pepper and cream soda, which by the way it is just the greatest spill it everywhere on this earth. No, no, <laughs> but you know the little tab, the little metal tab they got on top of the uh, the, I'm the aware. drinks these days. Mm. I accidentally um broke it off and flicked it into my drink, which is still half full. The viewers uh, will deduct the points. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Back to King of the Hill, Luann and Peggy, cold blood. Basically, this guy <laughs> is um, on a conveyor belt on his way to um, to certain doom. He's going to have like a, a nail drilled through his skull mm. and be flattened like a pancake and packaged for, mail, uh, for meat retail. <laughs> and Luan, I think Luann and Peggy have the ability to stop the conveyor belt from doing this, but they... <laughs> They just kind of decide not to, and he meets his uh, glorious end, which he wants. He like he wants to replicate the pig slaughter experience firsthand because he's so far off the deep edge. Although it's probably many of us at this point, but um, he yeah he successfully does it as he gets closer and closer to like the nail gun. He's he's like yes, I'm coming, daddy. I see the light, and they, yep, he just—it's grisly. He gets kiboshed, <laughs> kiboshed out the ass. Why and, deny um, him his joy? Yeah, kind of, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everyone's got their their <laughs> kicks. Yeah, but um, I, I was kind of thinking maybe it was a dream sequence, or maybe somehow he, um, somehow he stopped himself from being killed gruesomely but that was not the case uh to to the show's credit king of the hill is not one to like really pull sucker punches they just whatever you see is what you get which is Mm. uh fair enough you gotta give it credit for that but anyway outside of that super strange episode the show is kind of getting a little bit better it's a little bit more grounded now kind of going back to its roots um and i will say that thankfully um bill the character of bill who i had (laughs) expressed a bit of displeasure with before he is improving a little bit he's not as much of a sad sack he's not as like annoying in his characteristics um Mm. and his his mannerisms his uh sad mannerisms are being played up for laughs more successfully this time around i would say um Mm. he uh (laughs) i don't remember i don't really remember why i wrote this down uh, the context is probably lacking. Oh, yeah. Okay. So there, one of the most recent episodes we saw was actually great. It was another kind of horror-tinged one about an old lady who used to live in the Hill House. And she wants to... <laughs> she visits the Hill House kind of around Christmas time. And just tells the family about how much uh, joy she experienced in this house. And how she wants to die in here. The literal so, haunting of Hill House. <laughs> <laughs> this this had me um really this had me in stitches because <laughs> she is just like hellbent it's like this little frail old lady that um looks really unassuming but she is hellbent on like getting into this house and dying there like mm. she tries she, she doesn't want to kill herself she wants to like wait for death in the house so she like trespasses and she break she breaks and enters in she uh she tries to hide in random spots so that they don't catch her. And um, all the while, you know, 
Hank is trying to is like lambasting her. He's like scolding her, like, "No, you can't die in my house." And all the neighbors on uh, in the neighborhood are <laughs> taking the side of the old woman because they just see Hank like uh, kind of verbally beating up an old woman, and they're like, "Well, you can't do that. Just, just let her do what she wants." But I I just love the concept of this episode. And um, going back to what I was originally talking about, Bill has a good line where he's like, I'll probably die in my house, wedged behind a bathroom door, which <laughs> it, it's a little bit better in context, but it's one of the few things he said that was really sad and also made me laugh. Hmm. So credit for that. Um, let's see. We also saw the return of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire back for season two. It's second Ugh. season in the same calendar year, so <laughs> they're moving along at the clip. Jimmy Kimmel is uh, still great as a host. We had Tiffany Haddish in the uh, hot in seat, the driver's seat. <laughs> no, in the hot seat. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and she had a fantastic line. There was a line about woodchucks. It was like, it was like, what would a woodchuck be wearing if they had chuckas on, but a little bit more. Windfall. shoes yeah uh, the question was <laughs> yes and they were like or where would they be wearing them and then like on their head on their feet <laughs> on their neck whatever and then tiffany approaches this question one of the first things she says after reading it or after the question's been read is well for one thing woodchucks aren't even a real creature <laughs> does this like completely sincerely like like she's onto something, like she's trying to deduce it. <laughs> and that's just the first place her brain goes. And just the way she delivers it is fantastic. Mm. It's um it's utterly blissful. I cracked up when I heard it. I hope it, it could probably be like a vine or something. That's how uh, it's perfectly suited for that content. No one told Matt Vine's but, been um... dead for <laughs> longer than this podcast. <laughs> and what have I been watching all these years? A TikTok, sir. <laughs> <gasps> Those are bad. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then you know, thankfully it's not all celebrities anymore. Uh, for season two, they are bringing on essential workers. Uh, so they brought on a fireman uh, <laughs> to uh, to take take on the hot seat after Tiffany Haddish departed. So that's kind of a welcome sight. Although I do think Jimmy Kimmel has a bit more fun with the celebrities because it gets to bash them more. You can't really do that with regular people, much less essential <laughs> workers, but it's, it's still a good time. And I'm glad that people who need the money are actually getting it. <laughs> yeah. Let's go see. figure. We also got card sharks. <laughs> this is the last, this is one of the last game shows on my list. Don't worry. How many fucking card game sharks shows are there? <laughs> by <Joe McHale>. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many now. It's <laughs> amazing. Um, who needs real TV? So, uh, hosted by Joe McHale, it, it, Card Sharks is just, it's a weird show to me because people approach the show as if there's strategy, but there's no strategy. Basically, if you don't know the format, they give you a card and you have to guess whether the next card in the deck is higher or lower. Basically, I'm aware. If it's, if it's six <laughs> or if it's six or under, you're going to say the next one's higher. If it's like nine or higher you're gonna say the next one's lower that's literally all the strategy that's involved but people still like take too much time to like think about it and like reason it and it's like no literally everyone plays this the exact same way They're, you just stop but it's um it's pretty they brought on some some good characters uh some good guests 
for the first episode um, with a lot of energy that uh, Joe McHale could kind of feed off of in his way. He's, you know, of course, very smarmy, uh, kind of snarky, but he, he kind of plays a better straight man to these uh, audience members who are just losing it. So it's it's a good show, although it is one of the lesser entries in the ABC <laughs> Fun and Games canon. The canon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. Other than that, I have um, Fargo to discuss. Fargo. Yes. Yes. Same. Me too. Probably on your list as well. Okay. Yep. All caught up. I haven't uh, gotten. I, I haven't got through. I think the last two episodes or the last <gasps> episode and a half. So I'm a little bit behind. But um, what do you think of the season? I think that it is. It's good. It's great TV. It's the best TV on television. And. Um, other than that, I think it's a little bit slower than the other seasons. The other seasons felt like there were plans going on like 24-7. And I think this is slowly getting to that mm. point. But straight out the gate, season one, two, and three, like Donna's hooked to the show. And she's only been oh, watching nice. it for a week, like from the beginning. And um, it felt like they were like every episode, there was like a slowly ticking time bomb that blew up in the end. This feels the same, but a little mm. bit. I, I mean, there's breakout stars like Jesse Buckley on the show is crazy. Like I'm obsessed oh, yeah. with her storyline. I want to know more. Chris Very Rock. Good. Great. Um, Jason Schwartzman might be miscast in this role, but <laughs> I was that's just how I feel. That. I was thinking that as well. I like seeing yeah. him, you know, I like seeing him on yeah. screen. I like him as a person, but yeah, I'm not really feeling him in this role. I do like the mafia with like, you know, the, the cycle of the mafia versus like um, the, the characters yeah. that are outlaws and that are on the run. So it, it's interesting, but it, it feels a little bit like, I don't know, not as not as punchy as the other seasons to me, but I, I'm still enjoying right. it and I'll watch it till the end. Gag with us, but there are lots of um, fart jokes this season. Mm. Interestingly, um, <laughs> lots of vomiting, just just a ton of bodily fluids going every which way in and out of every orifice and um i i mean i do appreciate the like melding of the low brow and the middle brow so i i respect it but maybe it was a bit much because like almost every episode i've seen has involved that a little bit um and and yeah just overall i'm not yeah i feel hopefully but it's not a big deal it's just i don't i don't mean to single that out it's really not it doesn't impact the plot. Well, it kind of does, but it doesn't. It's not a major part of the show, obviously. But I just had to mention it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> overall, I think I'm not really feeling this season as much as the earlier ones. Um, the first episode was, to its credit, it was really interesting, really ambitious, um, with the kind of different gang uh, members changing hands, different gangs taking control of the same city same town i thought that was like a really cool format to bring in and um yeah i think it was probably this show at its most ambitious um but then once they kind of settle into a groove i think they've i think the season has largely removed or or kind of bucked what i consider the uh, essence of fargo uh that would be uh, a protagonist who's way out of their element um, usually due to uh, a misunderstanding, a comical misunderstanding. And just this person, this character, who we're like kind of rooting for on one end, but not always. Um, they just, they find themselves completely um, unprepared for the, the events that unfold. But usually 
just the way the show balances it usually leads to like lots of dramatic irony and lots of humor and i'm just not really getting that this uh season it's it doesn't feel quite as much as fargo as much as like a just a straight gangster story between two Mm -hmm. uh two warring mob families Mm. but um I, i mean there's plenty of style i do think it's just missing that that nice balance of humor which i think fargo always had up until this point um especially season one and season two for a lot of it as well but um yeah i guess we'll see what happens i've still got hopes for it and it's still a really enjoyable show to watch Mm -hmm. it's just um i don't know if the show is kind of getting a little bit old a little bit (gasps) stale or if shut your dirty mouth subject matter (laughs) shut your dirty mouth (laughs) i think it could just be this specific subject matter being a little stale um i I kind of get where they're going with like the uh, emphasis on like racism and assimilation and the American dream, but I think it's just missing a little bit. And some of the pieces haven't fully locked into place either. Like the, um, I believe her name is Ethel Rita, the little girl that we're introduced to at the beginning of the season yes. in the first episode who's like handling all the narration. She, um, I don't know, just her place in the story doesn't feel really fleshed out at the moment especially since she was like our window into the world at the beginning since she had that narration and now it's kind of gone and she's a character in her own story it's just a little a little messier than i've been accustomed to i think because it's so ambitious but you know i've i've still got high hopes for the rest of the season especially Mm. the second half Mm. and um well with that I get. Oh, uh, no, there's probably more you want to talk about. Before oh, there's one more to... thing. Yeah, okay. there's there's one more thing, Matt. That you, do you have. Or do you have any other TV besides? Well, I, I've got thing? plenty of TV, but I I'm neglected that you didn't mention one of the game shows that <laughs> I watched oh, yeah. and you didn't. No, I did. I I caught up. I watched it. <laughs> I guess I'll get to it. <laughs> um, believe it or not, since we recorded, we missed the whole season of Lovecraft Country. Um, and it was great. I actually really liked it. I think it might be a one-off season, but there's plans that maybe there could be a season two, but it is zany television, um, in a good way. It makes me want to read the, the books that the series is based off of, but in the episodes we missed, um, just a few plot lines included heading off to South Korea, dealing with a, a fox tail spirit, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that inhabits a woman that okay. uh, she needs to fuck a hundred men in order to live and get the the spirit out of her. Again, um, we've all been there. Uh, we also missed uh, a a time hopping episode where Hippolyta, one of the main characters, she goes through time and space and lives different lifetimes. Wow. Uh, we missed another episode, which was clearly inspired by Jordan Peele and us being that he's a producer on the show. Um, in which one of the major characters is pursued by um, racist caricatures from the past that include uh, Piccaninnies, and it is horrific and entertaining at the same time. Wow. Uh, after that, we had um, a look at Black Wall Street and the Tulsa riots, which was haunting and you know poignant in the same way, also more time traveling. And then the season wrapped up neatly in a little bow. So it was oh, wow. ex- it was a fun ride. It's a fun show. That is surprising. <laughs> it's just 
Yeah, it's just season two that is redon. I mean, episode two, not season two. Episode two is a little bit too much to take at once. But if you could take episode two, then the rest of the ride you should be on is going to be a good one. All right. It's, um, I'm just surprised they were able to wrap it up so neatly because, like you said, it sounds like a very zany show with so many different directions. Mm. Yeah. It felt it, it felt quick, like the wrap up. But at the same time, it's like, well... Okay, and apparently it goes in um, tandem with the books, and they're exploring some other plot lines that they might get to in a possible season two, which I'd be down for. All right, sounds good. I, yeah, I've still got to catch the whole show. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Next on my list, I have uh, more RuPaul, of course. Me, Heather, and Gabe, some friends of the pod, have been watching Drag Race Holland, Drag Race Netherlands. I forget what they called, and it is not good. It is not good at all. The, the looks are great. The queens are great. But the judging is the most horrendous thing that I've ever seen in my life. They, oh boy. they kick off queens for having inspiring looks that, like, you know, you know, detail their sexuality. Like, we just had a, um, like, a, a half split down the middle look where you come as a woman and man. And a few of the queens were like, I identify as non-binary. So I did something different. And in Holland, they were like, well, you didn't follow the rules. So I guess you're hitting the bricks, gal. <laughs> and it... Hmm. It did not feel good, especially with a, a certain RuPaul fracking currently. Um, he's not really tied into the judging on this show. Um, it's a bunch of uh, Hollandese judges, but uh, it, we watch for the looks and we can only pray that we do better down the line. And I guess I'm glad that different cultures are getting a, a drag race. <laughs> yeah, I could see how they would maybe like take it a little more seriously, especially with the judging, since I mean, it's Holland with that red light district. It's no joke. They've been doing this for so long. <laughs> I do have to say that they had the best Joe exotic impersonation that I've ever seen. And <laughs> I was just bamboozled because this was filming as Tiger King was on. So how did they know to impersonate Joe exotic and do it so well? <laughs> well, there we go. It was filming during Tiger King's two minutes of relevance. I, I just don't understand. I, I don't. Um, also drag race adjacent, we had, uh, the return of Dragula in a two hour special entitled Dragula Resurrection. Now this was good TV. This was good drag. Um, essentially the Boulay brothers who are the, the spooky host of the show, they go around the nation during COVID times and visit seven, um, queens that have previously been on Dracula and they give them three different looks. I think one's witch, ghost, and, um, vampire that they have to perfect and perform to. And uh, one of these queens supposedly is going to win the competition and come back for season four. Um, it was very interesting. All the queens there seemed warranted. We got a lot of backstory from these queens. And um, there is a twist ending that surprised me very much so. So I'm intrigued wow. as to where Dracula is going to go. I'm very excited. Nice. Next, I finished season two of Dif Difficult People, and uh, the Jersey episode got me real good. <laughs> I really thought you had watched this whole show already. I, I've been saving it for a rainy, you know, COVID situation, <laughs> depression spiral, but I no, I think that it is... Yeah, there's some good stuff. Oh there. my God, Julie Klausner, funniest woman on television. I listen to her podcast. I stand Julie Klausner. Billy Eichner, he's okay too, I guess. <laughs> He's good. He's good in the role. He like doesn't him. tickle my funny bone quite as much as Julie Klausner does. That's fair. I like his man on the street segment. <laughs> but yeah. there is a segment where Cola Scola 
he is he's there and then I, I forget what the question is but he just answers gay <laughs> it it killed me and like the guest stars we have jackie hoffman we have you know andrea mcmartin who's a gem as always is julie's mother it, it, i need more of this show they need to come back with more difficult people no yeah uh, it was i mean it got a lot of chances three seasons is not bad for a show like this but it need it needed more buzz it could have gotten some emmys i don't know man. i i think so i think so um next um another family favorite is back baking in a baking bubble it is none other than big british bake-off <laughs> and oh my god this shit is like crack i love it and this season is packed full of the drama we have people knocking over each other's things saying oh I was startled by a bee. Sure. You were startled Mm -hmm. by a bee. Were you enough to knock down like Andrea's muffins or whatever? (laughs) I've never Mm -hmm. heard of such a thing. (laughs) Um, But it's, it's cute. Um, I do miss the original charm of the show, but it's still very watchable and very fun. The most recent episode had them, the bakers baking brownies, and each one of these bakers fucks up brownies in a new way, and it is hilarious because it is the easiest thing to make, and (laughs) they're like, they're like, we should have just made a regular brownie instead of this cheesecake cookie layered brownie that's melting and comes out like shit when it's done. (laughs) Mm. Should have just bought that shit from ShopRite. I got me a $6 brownie platter. Ooh. And that was dinner. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But it's good. I'll continue to watch just for the camp value of it. And then finally on TV court, I have The Haunting of Bly Manor. Now, you may remember The Haunting of Hill House. Mm -hmm. uh, But The Haunting of Bly Manor is a second season. It's based on the works of Henry James, the short stories. Since Matt can't read, I can only assume that he knows who I'm talking about. Uh, I've never heard Majorly of The Turning of the Screw. Does that sound familiar to you at all? You've heard of that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I watched that movie, The Turning, uh, this year, and that was hot garbage. Uh, that is the most recent adaptation of it, so yes. Um, but <laughs> it is a classic horror novel. Um, but I think it's good. It has some standout characters. Episode 5 with... Uh, um, I think it's Tinia Miller as Hannah Gross is the the standout in this season, as was uh, episode six for um, last season, which was the one that was shot entirely almost in one take. That was really cool. Um, wow. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but I, I, I would slightly recommend Haunting of Hill House over this. But Mike Flanagan, he has a tied universe. He's using these uh, same cast members throughout his shows, which I really do appreciate, including his wife as the major character, the the the... Uh, the au pair for these little creepy children. Um, hmm. It's heartwarming. It's not as scary. It it turns into kind of like this sentimental lifetime moment Jeez. that that's cute. Um, but I do like Hill House more. But the acting here is great, and the characters are fun too. Like it, it's a good, it's a good just spooky watch for the season. Um, I would recommend it. Nice. And um, lastly, I have down my, you know, I had to buy some roses and Richard wasn't (laughs) getting to them soon enough. I watched my favorite one of mine next to, um, I think it's Mall Madness. It used to be on like the religious channel that I was allowed to watch this and something else. Oh, weird. I've never heard of that. It's weird because my family isn't that religious. I guess I just watched them on PAX TV because I had a deep Catholic guilt. 
But uh, Supermarket Sweep, my go-to game show, the show that I would fucking kill on because, yet again, these people are dum-dums that can't recognize store logos or rhyme schemes and the clues. It's like (laughs) The store logo part was harder than I thought it'd be, quite honestly. Oh, no, Matt. Well, not like you're going to... Oh, God. (laughs) I don't agree with that. I'm not good with food. If it's not McDonald's, I don't know it. Oh my god. Well, it's cute. Uh, I think Leslie Jones is a, a fabulous host for this show. She brings some energy and some panache oh, and some yeah. humor. That she, I... she almost, she moves around too much for the camera crew. They're trying to, like, center her the whole time. <laughs> she does. But it's good. Um, I only got through half of the first episode because I was hit immediately with a Christmas commercial that sent me into a depression spiral <laughs> saying that it's been reason. that long in quarantine already. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I I couldn't watch the second half, but I'll be down to watch it until the Christmas commercials come up again. <laughs> uh, but it was fun. Well, that's why that's why you gotta watch it on my Hulu account, baby. No commercials. I'll be doing that from Future Watch now. <laughs> well, that's all I have to say about it and TV in general. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, no, that was it, it. Was a lot of fun. I had some fun with uh, Give me the damn roses, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Leslie Jones. She picked up on that in a really good way. She was like, she said something like, "I remember saying that to my boyfriend too." <laughs> and then she's like, "You had the audacity to walk back and get your own damn roses." <laughs> it's true. Richard was like, "What? Where are the roses? Yeah, are they yeah. over here? Or are they over there?" <laughs> Richard was clueless. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he should not cool. be working in the floral department. <laughs> I think they transferred him there. Well, he was just a sub. <laughs> uh, do we have any more TV, or should we continue on to our next segment? I think we are all cleared. We can continue on. All right. So, ring, 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 ring. I'll make it quick. I'll go. I have two movies. Welcome to Movie Phone, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, there are two good movies, or one good, one meh movie that I saw over the uh, six weeks we've been apart. One of them, yeah. fabulous Netflix adaptation of one of my favorite novels of the, the recent years that I've read, uh, The Devil All the Time. This was a fun time. It's exactly like um, the book. Watch it. I don't nice. get why it's getting so many bad reviews on Netflix for some reason. Yeah, I kind of heard that. Is it uh, Richard? Uh, is it Richard? No, is it Robert Pattinson's accent? I don't know. It might be, but... What kind of accent is he doing, American? He, oh, he's doing a Southern one, but it is like... It is it is out there Southern. It's like Kathy Bates doing that... um, Oh, that, that transcontinental accent a few years ago in American Horror Story, but it, it's fine. That's like, weird. he's that's, doing it. That's yeah. weird, because I hear that Southern accents are one of the easiest ones for British people to do. Like, they could, they could do it even better mm-hmm. than American actors. Because apparently, well, uh, I don't know if this is true, but I heard that a southern accent is pretty much just a slow British accent. <laughs> well, apparently we have like the original British accent, so it's easier to us to like, uh, that's like how they, sp- it's a whole thing. I do not want to get into linguistics on this channel. I know it sounds mm-hmm. stupid, but I've had linguistic professors that are like, that's how it happened. And it didn't make sense to me, but sure, why not? Um, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. I would really watch it because everyone in this movie's given a, a good performance. I think it's edgy, dramatic. I don't get why it's getting such hate. Not hate, but like mm-hmm. meh online. Right, yeah. I've and my... That, my second movie and final movie is The Clove Hitch Killer that Mark brought up many moons ago. 
Um, mm. It's about like a, a Dennis Rader slash BDK style serial killer that, um, you know, is striking a neighborhood and his, well, it, it's like the movie has you guessing, like, is dad a serial killer? I found all these bondage magazines in the crawl space. I don't know. There are plans <laughs> yeah. to build a torture dungeon. Is dad it's just quirky and weird? or is he uh you know evil and it turns out spoilers this movie's old enough that he's evil but this kid this kid is so dumb this 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 kid is so dumb like just the ending of this movie he he like hesitates far too long to kill this evil man because he's his dad i would be like bang bang bitch (laughs) sorry you're gone (laughs) it, it, it just infuriated me so and like it's I, this boy like he is not a good protagonist to have like i i did not like him i'm like just kill this boy already i don't fucking care about either one of you <laughs> uh, that's sad so it was kind of middling even though mark was like i liked it i did not like it i thought it was uh, i i just thought it was dumb <laughs> yeah fair enough and that's my movies matt your turn <laughs> all right well i am sad to say that April and I, well, it was really just me, um, finally gave up the fight, <laughs> and we watched Onward at <gasps> home. <sighs> we are oh, not no. heading into theaters anytime <laughs> soon. You know, this is one that I wanted to save for the big screen. I wanted to watch it in Dolby, Dabla, but it was not meant to be, apparently. Um, I missed this one back in March because I was smart, and um, yeah, well, we figured... We're we're really not heading back in person anytime soon to the big screen. So by the time we get there onward, is it will not. I don't even. I I don't think it's playing right now. Even so, there was there's just no way around it. We fired up the old thirty inch TV, ten eighty p, and watched at home, the way it was meant to be seen, I guess. But you know, for um. Even though the viewing experience was suboptimal, I think the movie was great. I uh, I'd call it even slightly underrated in the Pixar canon. Um, mo- most people, when it came out, they kind of indicated that it was already pretty good to great. I think I, I agree. Um, the reviews were a little bit lukewarm to it. You know, in terms of Pixar, I would put it. Maybe not quite up there as like tier one, but definitely tier two. I think it's a very good story. Hmm. Um, I think it's told pretty well. I will say, I during the first act of the movie, I completely understood all the criticisms. I think um, it, the first act just really wasn't too interesting, and it didn't. Uh, I don't know what it was. It was just missing maybe a little bit of life or missing a little bit of a hook. So the first act was. Um, Nothing to write home about, but really, by the midpoint, by the second act, uh, and then, of course, continuing through the third act, through the climax, it really pulled itself together, I thought. Um, Overall, you know, I suppose it may be slightly lesser Pixar, but that would only be because it's more of like a 7.5 to an 8 instead of a 9, as is uh, Pixar's usual fare. Um, but honestly, you know, in terms of recent hmm. output from them, I think I might have enjoyed Onward more than Toy Story 4. Um, I definitely enjoyed it well, more than Incredibles that's not a hard 2. competition. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, also not a very hard contest there. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it, it was it was good. It was a little bit of a return to form to them. 
Although I did like it slightly less than Coco, which is for me that's tier one. Um, but um, I'm I'm not too surprised by like the slightly warm, lukewarm criticism or treatment of this film, um, despite my really enjoying it because it was directed by Dan Scanlon from Pixar, who uh, I think the last movie he did actually was uh, Monsters University, which for my money is also similarly underrated in the same way mm-hmm. that Onward is. Oh, you know, Monsters University, it doesn't really have much heart to it, but it is just such a fun movie. It's such like a fun take on the college uh, movie trope. And I, I think it's it it's just so good on like a, a rainy day. It's just very comforting to watch. And it's still, you know, it's not devoid of heart. Uh, it's just a lot more scaled back in its ambitions than other movies are. So I really appreciate Monsters mm. University. I guess I'm right on uh, Dan Scanlon's wavelength because I also really appreciated Onward. So, you know, maybe if you uh, were into Monsters U, you may feel the same way about Onward if you haven't seen it already. But, um, yeah, I thought it was pretty great. Mm. And the buildup that it uh, pretty much a climax that the whole movie built up to i thought it was uh i don't know it came together well it was well deserved just i i wish it did have a bit more buzz behind it but who knows maybe this will be one that people still kind of discover for uh years to come but that was the only movie i watched what <laughs> what <laughs> oh god <laughs> i don't believe That's that it. i don't believe no? that for a second yeah. Hey, the theaters are closed. I'm not doing shit. I mean, I'm not going to say that was the only (laughs) movie I watched that's factually incorrect, but I have been, uh, well, I've been preparing for a certain uh, horror fest to come. Yeah, our horror and our horror in December fest coming soon. Yes. Blood Uh. at Christmas time. Yeah, there's plenty of movies that fit that theme, so I I guess we could go on to our next two sections and wrap this up in ten minutes. Oh yeah, <laughs> that'd be that'd be great. Um, so I Less have a combo. Minutes, yeah, I I have a combo section with our our final two. We have Tron on the boards and then disc jockeys. Um, right. I I'm gonna I'm gonna start with my theater adjacent because theater's dead. Why did I major in that? It's hard to find a job in that. <laughs> reconsidering my life choices for a year um but uh yeah uh grace mclean my girl who i've mentioned religiously on this podcast uh she released a cast album for in the green and as you know matt this is about the medieval nun hildegard von dingen and her life story set to a beatbox music that uh grace mclean has this thing where she has like the the soundboard on stage and records her own backing vocals at the same time that she sings, which is really intriguing and I think you might be into. Hmm. Okay, I do like that. That sounds up my alley. Um, but I think it might be a complicated plot for you to to get by and like it's an hour recording. It's it's cool, oh, it's hip. I like I'll now. buy whatever Grace is dishing out. Oh, um <laughs> I I didn't say those exact words. I think it's heavy, you know? <laughs> mm. It might be a little a little bit of a think piece. <laughs> but, I don't know. Uh, I'm no it's good. good at that. Uh, you, know, you know I don't judge music, except it's good. So 
Um, yeah, that's my trot on the board segment. Pick it up if you get a chance to support the artists that are out of work for the next foreseeable future next summer now uh, someday broadway will Indeed. open again and um my disc jockeys i only have one thing one jesse Ware that i finally listened to <laughs> hey beautiful i forced and, it yeah you did and so did the rest of the world because on my twitter feed she kind of i don't know why she blew up she was just prominent it's like this h&m is playing a jesse Ware album and i'm like oh well <laughs> i listened to her <laughs> Oh, wow, that's awesome. Nice. I'm glad to see it. I mean, all I could say is it's good. It's up my alley. Yeah. It might be album of the year for me, honestly. Oh, man. Mm. I really enjoy it. It's uh, it's another one of those. It's such a comfort to listen to. Mm. I agree. (laughs) That's all the music I got to talk about. (laughs) It's good. (laughs) It's the thumbs up. (laughs) Well, I don't have too much myself. Let's see. Um, Sufjan Stevens released a new album. It is stuffed to the gills. Uh, What I mean is that it is, I think it's like 81 minutes. It's over 81 minutes long. I honestly don't know how they fit it onto a CD. Um, If those are still around, that might not even be a thing that they did. (laughs) But yeah, this is a long, long record. Um, I think I've only listened to it through, like all the way through once, just because it is a I guess it's pretty demanding, um, but it's well. I'm gonna pull a John, and I'm I'm gonna say it's good. Um, Yay! It's, <laughs> yeah, there. There's not too much more to say about it. I think I, there's probably I haven't really gone in depth on the record, so I'm not even too sure like what um, all the subject matter is about. Whether it like follows a specific theme or subject, but um, it feels like. A, a little bit minor for him it's it's not as ambitious as his other work has been it's not very maximalist it's almost but at the same time it's not as stripped down as like some of his recent stuff like the call me by your name song and uh and carrie and lowell so it's a little bit in the middle mm. it's kind of it's stripped down compared to his uh, maximalist experimental stuff but it is um it's a little bit poppy for him, honestly. Um, he kind of Ooh. embraces conventional song structures here. Um, even though there are some songs, there's like a 14 minute song that closes the album. So <laughs> it's not all conventional, but it's a little bit more than we're used to from Sufjan. But uh, it's good, even though it's maybe a bit more of a minor entry in his discography. Um, hmm. Apart from that, because I will say, Sufjan is somebody who kind of like pushes the landscape forward. He kind of he does dictate for whatever reason like kind of what a lot of future sounds will be or he he like tries things that are new and I guess other artists just kind of perk up their ears and listen. But um you know this time mm-hmm. around it sounds like he's just a little bit more comfortable. Which is not too bad. It's still a good record. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear from him. It's been I think 5 years since the last one so Next, we got Fleet Foxes. Uh, this indie folk Oh, band, I know them. Yeah, they <laughs> dropped a surprise album, which was very good to see. That was a sight for sore eyes or a, uh, an, an audible for sore 
ears. I don't know. <laughs> but it, it was a welcome surprise. Very glad that this dropped. Again, this is also kind of the group embracing a bit more of a poppy side to them. I mean, it, it's really not like it's not pop. Definitely not. But if you were to compare it to their past works, it's a little bit more in that direction. And I think it works really well. It, um, yeah, their stuff is fun to listen to, um, in a way that maybe their older stuff, their older stuff was good. It was really, uh, nice to listen to, really warm to listen to, but it was like maybe a tiny bit more demanding. This one just sounds a little bit more fun. Um, but I, yeah, I've, I think I've only listened to it maybe twice, but whenever the single, the late, the lead single comes out on the radio, I'm very happy to hear it. Um, I think there might be like fewer, like less emphasis on harmonies and kind of less emphasis on some of the more mm, emotional underpinnings that they might've had in the past or kind of like, um, the music isn't as, uh, mood setting as their other works Mm -hmm. have been, but, um, it's, it's just fun to listen to. I gotta say. So props to them. Hmm. And apart from that, well, there is a new record. I don't think, I wouldn't call it a new studio album, but there is a a record by J Electronica. I'm just going to say right now, 2020 is the year of J Electronica. Mm-hmm. Um, because earlier this year, I think it was back in March, or maybe February, he dropped his debut album. Jay Electronica, I, I mentioned it on this podcast before, back when that came out, but Jay Electronica is like such mm-hmm. a mysterious figure, but he is um, so revered in the hip-hop community. He has been in the game for like 12 years or something, and he's kind of always been on the cusp of like breaking out and releasing a, a strong debut album, but it, for whatever reason, has never happened, whether it was like label issues or... I'm not even sure what was going on behind the scenes, but it took him well over a decade to drop his super highly anticipated debut album, which he did earlier this year. And he followed it up with uh, an official release of his original debut album that had to be shelved uh, back in, I think, 2012, uh, definitely near the start of this decade. So this record was finally released. I'm not seeing it on the streaming services yet, so... It might be a title exclusive for the time being. I'm thinking that's what it is. Um, I haven't researched it, but I'm hoping to get my ears on it soon. I'm very excited for it because his earlier record is... um, It's probably number two for me for album of the year. Um, Mm. And maybe depending on my mood, it might be like a bump bumping up right against Jesse Ware there for the number one spot. But (laughs) he... You know, it's just crazy to me that after so long of not hearing or not being able to hear enough J Electronica. Now he's spoiling us with like two full lengths in a year in a calendar year's time. So <laughs> it is, he, he's got a flow like no other. He really stands alone in some aspects of his rap and he brings lots of like spiritualness, uh, spirituality to his records, which is, um, I guess that's kind of the wave right now, especially with like Kanye doing his thing. But <laughs> It just feels so authentic when he brings it to the table in a way that other rappers uh, fail to do. Um, I guess just because it is authentic for his lifestyle in a way Mm. that it's not for everyone. So, yeah, I just, I'm pretty much 
and this wasn't really a review of the album because I haven't heard it yet, but I guess it's kind of an be on the lookout, and uh, I hope to maybe have some words about it next time we meet. Really looking forward to that one. I didn't hear an it's good in that review. <laughs> Thumbs up. <laughs> I bet, and I have seen some reviews online, and I can tell you with certainty, it's good. <laughs> Oh, okay. Thank God. Music criticism, I can understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of our little uh, All right. Should we sign off? <laughs> Mama got Bachelor to watch. <laughs> well, I've been Matt. You could find me uh, fighting with Xfinity um, weeknights from 5 to 8 p.m. We'll be selling tickets pretty soon. Um, see if I can get a good deal on my goddamn internet or i could get them to fix it for once the answer will surprise you mm. maybe not yeah you can find me jonathan Krakowski at losing my mind jk on instagram drink oh wait losing my mind jk on instagram <laughs> drink and read jk on twitter and my other podcast where we watch anime and now we're doing uh, i think we're picking two adjacent horror movies maybe that might be anime adjacent if you squint uh in the coming weeks that podcast being anime was not a mistake but uh matt i seem to recollect your hint for your first spooktacular pick in fright caps at the theater um having to do with uh, the green ganja yeah weed yet again saves the day if i'm not mistaken yes (laughs) um let me get the uh exact quote so I hope to uh, I hope to see you all see you guys all very soon. I hope you guys tune in for our fright cap spectacular. We've got a hell of a lineup. I'm pretty excited about it, and I think it's going to be a good time. Um, just a, a small hint, which may be a repeat for some dedicated listeners, for our next episode. As usual, marijuana saves an otherwise disastrous day. Mm. Been there, done that. Legalize it. <laughs> you know, in two weeks we get to uh we get to have our say. <laughs> yeah, eventually. <laughs> I voted yes. <laughs> I voted yes. <laughs> I voted fuck yes. <laughs> Do you think they'll invalidate that? Thank you for joining us for another installment of Nightcaps at the Theater. Special thanks to the Free Music Archive for providing the track Four Way by William Ross Chernoff's Nomads, an edited version of which you're hearing now. We at Nightcaps sincerely hope you enjoyed this episode. If that's the case, or even if it's not, please remember to rate our show on iTunes and leave a review. It really means a lot. Good night, and binge responsibly.